Hi, welcome to The Table Podcast. It's our women's podcast at Battle Creek Church, and we talk about lessons that God's been teaching us. And I'm Liz. With me, as always, is Bethany. And we're so excited that Rachel Crawford is here. She serves on our leadership team, and we're talking about renewing our mind. I'm so eager for this conversation. It's something I think we all need. So when we thought about this, um, I was praying about what story to tell. And I remembered that I was a new mom. So I had two babies, one year old and under. And I would quote the scripture over and over again in my head. I have the mind of Christ. I have the mind of Christ. I have the mind of Christ. Because I would go through this fog and I would constantly feel like a zombie. And I remember one day I'd gotten away from my kids for a short amount of time to go to the store. And I did. I felt like a zombie. I was walking up and down aisles. I didn't remember why I was there. And I was quoting that scripture in my head. I have the mind of Christ. I have the mind of Christ. And I found myself trying to turn into an aisle. And I didn't know what I was doing. And I kept hitting the side of my grocery cart, only to realize that grocery carts don't have blinkers. (laughs) And nobody was waiting for me to turn. (laughs) So maybe I just needed more sleep. Maybe it had nothing to do with the mind of Christ. (laughs) That's awesome. That's awesome. I love that story. So, you know, um, it was about mid-quarantine, I would say, uh, probably, I don't know, sometime in, it's honestly, the whole thing is a fog. The whole quarantine thing is a fog, but it was sometime mid-quarantine. And I found myself just feeling very, just, I don't know, I mean, overwhelmed and just kind of blasé. And honestly, it just did not feel any joy and couldn't really quite put my finger on why, because you know, there was nothing dramatic that had happened in my life and things were going okay. And obviously we were all kind of getting used to this new normal and trying to homeschool my kids and work from home at the same time. So obviously that was challenging. But um, just one night I was talking to my community group over Zoom and just kind of said this, I started talking. It was my turn to talk and and people are asking how I was doing. And so I just started saying, you know, I just, I don't know. I just don't feel right. I feel like something's wrong. And all of a sudden I just start crying and I'm like, why am I crying? And what is happening? Of course, I'm sure that ladies in my community group would be like, it's not that uncommon for you to start crying. <laughs> yeah. But I'm sitting there thinking, I, there, there must be something really going on here. I got to figure it out. And so that night after a group, I just started to kind of talk things out with my husband. And I realized that I was just feeling like, you know, with social media, like, you know, of course you're quarantined. So you're very limited in who you're interacting with at this point in time. And I, but, but social media at that time was very loud. And I felt like people, and maybe it's because people couldn't go anywhere. And so they decided to get on social media, but I just felt like there were so many opinions that were happening. And I just felt like everybody was yelling at me. And like, for example, you may recall, like, you know, everybody had just transitioned to homeschooling their kids or distance learning, if you will. And so all these opinions started coming out about, well, homeschooling is the best way to do it. And if you don't homeschool your kids, then you're not doing it right. Or, you know, and then you'd have the opposite side, right? Like if you're homeschooling your kids, you're doing something wrong because you don't know what you're doing and you don't know how to teach. And so really public school is the way to go because those teachers are certified. No, but actually no, uh, you know, private Christian school is the way to go because they're teaching about the Lord. And, and it just felt like, and take that and take every other topic. Like I remember thinking the same thing about what I use to clean my countertops, right? Cause it's COVID, you know? And so everybody's talking about how we should be safe and what it means to be safe. And it was like, if you're, if you have bleach in your pantry, then you do not like your children, you know, and, and vice versa. If, you know, if you are using anything other than bleach, you are not doing anything you are, you know, you're brainwashed. And so I, it just, it was like topic after topic after topic. And I think I just started, I just started like kind of questioning all of my decision-making and, oh my goodness, like, should I rethink school? Should I, should I rethink what's in my cleaning cabinet? Like, you know, suddenly I just felt like I was completely lost and, and my mind was just totally jumbled. 
And so I went to the Word of God that night, and I said, okay, Lord, everybody's so loud. Like, help me with some verses on how to deal with all of this. And so I, I went straight to, like, taming the tongue, because I'm thinking, everybody's talking. We need to stop all the talking. Like, logically, that's where my mind went. So I started thinking, I started a, I wrote down 16 verses that dealt with taming the tongue or dealt with being kind. And, um, and so it was good. I just started memorizing these verses and realized there's so much power in the tongue. I mean, the, the Bible says that there's the power of life and death in the tongue. Uh, in fact, one of the verses that I felt like was very dramatic said that rash words are like sword thrusts, and, um, but wise words bring healing in Proverbs. And I thought, wow, sword thrusts? Well, and that wasn't even talking about mean words. That was saying rash words. So speaking without thinking is literally like stabbing somebody with a sword. And I thought, wow, that's yikes. I better... I need to maybe slow down and stop talking so much. And so anyway, it was good. I started memorizing verses and trying to um, just put that word in my heart. And I was in a meeting a couple of weeks later, and I thought, okay, Lord, here I am. I'm in a meeting. I'm going to test this. I'm going to see if I can, you know, hold my tongue and be slow to speak. And so I get into that meeting, and I do. And I don't really talk hardly at all. And I, I go in with the mindset of like, okay, I'm just going to listen, and I'm only going to speak if spoken to. I'm not going to screw this up. And so I get in the meeting, and, uh, and I did that. But I found myself in the meeting, like, just feeling very frustrated. And, uh, you know, just people would talk, and I would think, well, that's, you know, they don't know what they're talking about, and, well, that doesn't make any sense, and why would they say that? And, you know, well, hold on, like, they just took credit for something that I felt like was my idea. And I left that meeting just feeling very, again, like, the opposite of joyful. Um, I just felt yucky and frustrated. And so I was having a conversation with a good friend uh, at, at work and just kind of sharing how I was feeling. And I was like, you know, I'm memorizing all these verses, and yet I still just don't feel joy. I actually feel worse. But I'm not talking. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm being quiet. And uh, she said, you know what, like, let me, let me recommend a book to you that I have found to be helpful. And it was called, it's a book called Be Transformed by Nancy Missler. And so I went home that night. I downloaded it on my Kindle, and I started reading and the, the theme verse that that book is based on is Romans 12:2, which says, do not be conformed to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And I thought, okay. And there was something in that book that said, you know, your thoughts inform your emotions, and then your emotions inform your behavior. And so, you know, I was focusing on my words, which are more of an action, uh, behavior, and I was realizing, hey, wait, I, I'm, I'm like three steps down the rung here. Like, I need to go attack the, the very first step, which was my mind. And so I started thinking, okay, well, how do I do this? Like, this sounds great in theory and in concept, but how do I literally renew my mind? What does that mean? And so uh, in this book, and I love the book because she backs everything up she says with scripture, so you can go look for yourself. And, uh, and, and, and decide for yourself, like, is this truth or not? And so as I was working through this book, she kind of went through this. There's kind of a four-step process, a four, four attitudes that are so helpful when we want to renew our mind. And she encourages, you know, us to get up in the morning and, kinda, and just kind of set your mind with the, you know, hey, I am going to commit to these four attitudes throughout the day and, and, just, and, and see what happens. And so those four attitudes are, one, is that we have to present ourselves as a living sacrifice. And... Um, which is what the word tells us to do. In fact, that's actually the verse that's right before Romans 12.2. It's Romans 12.1. So right before the renew of, renewing of our mind, it says present ourselves as a living sacrifice. And so I started thinking about that and uh, thinking about, okay, what does it mean to be a living sacrifice? Well, a living sacrifice can come down off that altar anytime they want. 
And so it has to be a choice. You have to choose to stay on that altar, dying to self, dying to those feelings of, you know, maybe hurt or anger or frustration or selfishness or pride. And so, uh, you know, and being willing to let the Holy Spirit truly moment by moment point out to you those things that are not of God. And so presenting yourself as a living sacrifice was number one. Number two, to be willing to um, take all of our thoughts captive to the Lord. Like, uh, and be willing to not only to not only be able to recognize the thoughts, but also to be able to uh, to be able to uh, ask the Lord to to show us like what is the root of what's going on in our heart. Um, another thing that she says is that we have to deny ourselves. That's another attitude that we have to have that attitude of it's it it can't be about me. You know, are we choosing God's will for our life and his hopes for us over our own happiness? Because that's what's going to happen. Like, one thing that really stood out to me in this piece, too, is, like, a lot of our hurts and a lot of our frustrations are justified. Like, somebody did something to us that was wrong and hurt us. And so we're justified in feeling hurt. But yet we can't, but the Bible says that we can't stay there, that we're not supposed to stay there. We're supposed to forgive just as he forgave us. And so I think sometimes for me, you know, if, if I feel like something's justified, it, it, I feel a little bit more justified in being frustrated about it. And so, and so to be able to, uh, to recognize that. And so uh, I can't remember now what the fourth thing is as I'm sitting here mm-hmm. thinking, hold on one second, let me just check my notes. Uh, okay. Oh, yes. When the Lord does speak to you, when the Holy Spirit does give you that thing to do, that you would be um, instantly obedient. And Pastor Alex has talked before about delayed obedience is disobedience. And I think that's really true. And so, yes, so being willing to listen when he says to do something, to go and do something. And so, anyway, armed with these things, like denying self and being willing to uh, put down my own justified feelings and hurts and instead replace them with what the Lord is telling me to do really started to change how I went about my day. And, and little by little, and again, I'm only six weeks into this process, and so I still have a long way to go, but I've already seen some of the evidence and that, and really what's been the most amazing part is just the joy that has come as a result. And a quick story I'll give you. This is a real story that happened. So like, I was a couple of weeks into this process, and I was in a meeting, and one of our staff members came in to present an idea, uh, a new idea about how we could, you know, kind of cross-collaborate among teams to try to improve things. And the thinking is, you know, if we can get people from different areas involved, then it's going to be a better result, um, and we won't miss something. And so, anyway, it was a great proposal. He did a great job on it. And he got to the very end of his proposal, and he gave an example of, like, okay, here's an example of how this could work. And the example he used was a process that was actually in my area, an area that I oversaw. It was related to onboarding employees. And, and so the initial thought that went through my mind when he brings this up is, really, my area? Of all the areas you choose, and I'm here with all of my peers, I'm here with my boss, and it's my area, now I'm feeling like I'm failing. And, you know, and instantly, though, the Lord was like, hold on, what's that about? You know, what, what, what are you thinking? And so I, I did. I stopped and asked the Lord. I'm like, hey, what is that about? And he instantly said, pride. It's about your pride. You want, you want people to think that you have it all together and that all of your areas are great and that you're on it and you recognize. Instead of being able to humble yourself and be thankful that somebody is in here saying, hey, I'd love to get a team together to help out, help out an area where we need help. And it was funny because instantly whenever he as I was having this conversation with the Lord, I felt like these, I literally visualized like these scales, like 
kind of coming off my eyes. It was weird. It was like, you know, like how when Jesus healed the blind man, the scales came off. That's, I literally saw that in my mind. And it was like my old, it was like the, my old mind was just falling away and was being replaced by this completely different, and it, it actually happened. It, it actually happened. Like my heart literally changed in that moment. And I went from being annoyed that he, how dare him bring up something and stick to, stay in your own lane, find something in your own area <laughs> to, I am, I am so thankful. Like, are there other areas that you think you could bring a team in and help me with? Like, truly. And so anyway, it was just a great moment for just to watch the Lord doing that transformation. And because at the end of the day, you know, uh, so there's a passage in John 13 where the Lord's Supper and uh, Jesus is there with the disciples and he starts to wash Peter's feet. And Peter's like, what are you doing? Why? why you, no, Jesus, no, you, you can't wash my, who am I? You can't wash my feet. And Jesus is like, well, in order for you to be with me and be a part of me, you have to be cleansed. And so then Peter says, oh, well, then cleanse everything. Don't, don't, don't stop with my feet. Like, cleanse my head. And, cle-. and, and Jesus says, hey, you are in me, uh, but you still, you still have to cleanse your feet. And then he goes on to say to serve others the way that, you know, that he has served. And as I thought about that a little bit, I think um, that maybe the cleansing of the feet reference is about that daily sanctification. You know, one of the things I've struggled with a little bit as I've thought about renewing my mind and what that means is, you know, the Bible says that when we're in Christ, we're a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. You talked about the mind of Christ. The Bible says we have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. We have a new heart. And so logically, I'm thinking if we have all of that, then why do we still make bad choices? And what I've come to realize is while we do have all of that, we still have our own willpower to make the decisions that we want to make. So we can choose to allow God's love to flow through us by doing things his way and taking on his, uh, you know, dying to self and, and instead going with his will and not our own. Or we can choose to walk in our flesh. And so when I think about the the washing of the whole body, like when you're in Christ, like you you're, you're cleansed, you know, you are, uh, you are there, your salvation is sealed, your, your name is written in the book of life. But the washing of the feet that needs to happen is, is a recognition that there's still things day to day. You can still sin, you're still getting dirty to, to continually cleanse your feet, which is kind of that process of sanctification and ultimately living a life that is Christ's life. And just really, for me, visually thinking through taking off my own life and putting on the life of Christ. I love how you talked about like the immediate impact that these lessons have had in your life. And I love when God's word like comes alive and then you like immediately see the ripple effect of it. And when I was like the imagery of like the scales falling off of your eyes, I thought back to like in my life, I'm like, man, God, that is like such a day to day thing. I would love to have like love to encounter God's word in such a way that the scales fall off of my eyes in situations where sin has taken root or where pride wants to speak up or whatever it might be, that in that moment that God could renew all of our minds, that he has the power to do that. And so just like, thank you so much for sharing your heart on that. And for all of us, like there's so many takeaways. I'm so excited to discuss it all just to hear how we're going to start implementing this. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Well, and you had already done the work prior. You were already in the word. You already could hear his voice so that when he spoke to you, you knew to immediately act because you had already planted those seeds in your heart. And so we talk about it. I talk about it every single week. If you do not read the word, you cannot hear his voice clearly. And so that is the first thing that starts with renewing our mind is getting in the word, knowing what he's going to say and hearing his voice. 
I love it. Well, and it's so true. And I feel like in this case, it was funny because here I was, you know, early on thinking this is about the tongue. I better get in there. And I'm memorizing these 16 verses on the tongue thinking, yes, I'm going to tackle this. <laughs> and at the end of the day, the Lord's like, yeah, you know, you need to, yes, yes, all of that is true. But you really need to start a few levels above before that with your mind. And, and so it's just funny because I feel like when, when you don't know, like I had said before, like that nine in community group where I just, I could tell something was wrong, but I wasn't sure why you're never wrong in starting with the word. And even though what I thought was going to be the lesson ended up not actually being the lesson, it did lead me to the lesson. And, and I still know those 16 verses now for whenever I need to stop talking and, you know, be quick to listen. Well, I love it because you got to what I'm about to say, the root, the root of the problem, because there's always a symptom. And then we need to say, and immediately God showed you the root was pride. In that situation, in that circumstance, God could say, okay, this is, just, this is just a symptom of the problem. But when we hear his voice so clearly, he says, but the real problem is this. And then you were able to remove those blinders, see it, change it immediately, because God helped you get to the actual root of the problem. And I think that's what we need to focus on so much, God. It's not the symptom, but show me the root so that I can deal with it. Yep. And I love, I love the way too, that God, you know, he says, if you will confess your sin, that he will t remove it as far as the East is from the West. And I remember as a little girl learning that verse and sometimes I don't, I don't know that I actually applied it correctly when I was little, but where it would come up when I was little was if I was scared at night in my room. Like I would say, Lord, if there's any evil in my room, please remove it as far as the East is from the West. But I took such comfort in that because I thought you can't get any further than that. You can't get any further away. And, uh, and so anyway, I do, I, I, I think the thing that has been, should have probably been obvious, but it kind of took me actually realizing it in my life to see it is truly the freedom because you think about, it seems counterintuitive to denying yourself. You think if you're denying yourself, then you're slave to something else. And you are, I mean, you are like, you know, you are a slave to the Lord and by choice, but in doing that, he brings you so much freedom and joy and just lightheartedness. And you no longer have to carry any of these burdens uh, and frustrations. And, you know, part of the process and God renewing your mind too is about forgiveness. And I left this part out earlier, but you know, when you recognize a root of something, of bitterness or pride, to be able to confess that to the Lord and say, hey, I see that and I don't want that, you know, will you please take it from me? And I, that's where I also kind of visualize, I literally visualize like sending it to the Lord, like sending it out. And then I visualize him replacing it with truth. And the thing that I, another thing that I felt like has been really helpful to me that this book pointed out is to forgive other people, even when you don't feel like it. And I think sometimes in the past, I've been guilty of, of waiting until I felt like, you know, yeah. okay, I can't forgive them yet because I don't, I'm not there. I'm not there yet. I can't forgive. I'm not there. And I, it's the opposite, I think, is actually what we're supposed to do. I mean, the Lord says, for, you forgive because I forgave you, not you forgive when you feel like it. And then over time, and depending upon what happened, it may take a lot of time, um, but we have to make the faith choice to forgive even when the feelings don't match up. And then over time, trusting that the Lord is going to have our feelings match come to match that faith choice. That's so good. When you were talking about uh, Romans 12 to the not being conformed, but being transformed in my mind, I just thought of like a cookie cutter and how so often I think the world feeds us the lie that we just like all need to be the same. But the reality is, is when we're not conforming to the world and we're being transformed, we're being made in his image and also like the best versions of ourselves. Like when I'm able to look at the roots, I'm able to like purge and like cast off the things that, that look like the world or that are sinful. And I'm able to put on the image of Christ that he's calling us to, which there's so much hope in that and so much freedom in the like, 
man, this day was really hard, but I'm not the one who has to carry this day alone. Like I get to renew my mind. I get to reset like not even day to day or January 1st. We're like new year's new me. holla. But like 7am when I wake up, like renew and reset and like go every day like that. It just brings so much like hope into the world. Yeah. And I'm hoping I'm not there yet. Like I said, I'm six weeks in here and I've, and I've also noticed a couple of days where I didn't kind of walk through this kind of mental commitment to the Lord of the things I'm going to run after that I've noticed a difference. Like I come home more frustrated, more exhausted. You know, I get kind of more into myself of like, Oh, why am I the only person that picks up the wet towels on the floor? And, um, and so I'm hoping that if I can continue to like right now, I have to be very conscious of it. Like it's almost, it's kind of exhausting, honestly, because I have to, I feel like it's, it's just nothing that doesn't come naturally. Like I have to constantly be thinking, which is tiring. But my hope is that if I can continue to do this and continue to be consistent, that it will become easier. And over a lifetime, these things are going to become a lot more natural and I'm going to recognize it quicker. And I'm not going to have to go through all of the, as much of the confession because I'm going to get it on the front end. And so anyway, that's what I'm hoping for. Which is the joy of sanctification, that it doesn't, that God's in this process with us, that it doesn't have to be, well, I failed, so we're just going to give up on this thought process for forever, but that each day we get to get better and better at it is great. Yeah, I love that, the the part of the scripture that talks about taking captive every single thought, Mm -hmm. (laughs) because part of what your notes had said was that thoughts stir up emotions. Yes. And so I don't know how many people have lost arguments with me in my mind that they never knew that they had. And I don't know if you're like that at all. But like my husband and I can have an argument in my head and he doesn't even know that I'm mad at him (laughs) because of something that I think he's going to say on the other side of the conversation that we need to have. But it uses up so much, like you were talking about, so much energy for something that's probably never going to happen. And the fact that I just should have taken captive that thought from the beginning and just going like, God, I need to trust you with where I'm at, with the conversations, with the relationships, instead of harboring animosity or anger or frustration in my head, I should have taken captive that thought, replaced it with the word or replaced it with something positive. And I think part of that is having a plan going into whether it's, um, those thoughts, whether it's forgiveness, whether it's offense, is walking in and going, okay, I had that thought, I had that feeling, what am I going to do with it? Am I going to deal with it? For me, it's like I start praying for the person. So if I know that I am having issues with a certain person, I'm like, okay, God, instead of harboring that offense right now, I'm going to pray for their relationship with their spouse. I'm going to pray for their children. I'm going to pray for their relationship with you. And over time, those thoughts and feelings come less and less because I'm doing more of a damage to the enemy because our prayers do change things. And if you're not there and if I'm not there, sometimes I'll just say scripture over and over again in my head to get out whatever it is that is playing on repeat or I'll put on worship music. But I think we need a plan in place for when those feelings and those emotions and those thoughts come into our and come into our brains. Yeah, that's good. You know, it, talking about just like having a, a conversation with your spouse or even maybe just in your own mind. Like I, I've seen some of this play out practically. Like if I, I, I'll, my husband, and I will start to get into a discussion, which I can feel like is going to maybe lead to an argument. And so, um, you know, again, just trying to think, okay, Lord, like what, why am I, why am I thinking this? Like, what is my goal? Is my goal here to actually, you know, am I, do I have his best interest in mind with what I'm about to say? Or am I just trying to defend my position? Cause I am really good at defending my position. Lawyer Rachel comes out. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, um, yeah. And so I just, and so there've been a couple of times as I've started, you know, walking through this that I have had to say, Hey, you know what? I need to go. I, I need, just need to, I need to go in the other room and I need to spend some time with the Lord. And, and at first, you know, he's kind of like, what? 
like we're in the middle of a con-. and I'm like I, I promise you I need to go spend and now he's like now he'll be like did you need to go spend some time with the Lord you know uh, and so anyway it, but he even he has noticed you know a difference like you just seem lighter and so uh, on the days that on the days that I'm consciously thinking about it yeah. I remember where I was like the exact moment I read that scripture for the first time and or at least like I like really got it for the first time I was in the northwest definitely like out of college so probably should have read this first like sooner the take captive your thoughts first but when I was just like processing through that um this morning I like remember who that girl was and like I'm so thankful that the Lord like brought that verse to light because now like a few we'll go with a few years later um it's just so sweet to see the transformation that if we really are actively engaging in the process of renewing our minds and taking captive our thoughts and forgiving ourselves and others that we're going to see transformation in our lives. The world won't have, the enemy won't have the place to like hook his lies when we're engaged in this process, which is like what I think God's calling us all to on some level. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it, it, it also just keeps you from kind of getting to the place where I was, where you just get so, can you get so wrapped up in all of the, the voices around you. You know, even when they're good voices, I mean, even when they're good voices, I mean, at the end of the day, what matters is your relationship with the Lord. And are you doing what he has called you to do, which may look very different from what he's called somebody else to do. And it's so easy to get into that thing of, oh, well, you know, that's working for them. Like that must be the path. And, uh, and so I think just, it's just really helped. And and it's, it just lightens your load. Like you don't have to feel the burden of all of that anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, okay, it's me and God. And as long as we are clean, then we're good. So yeah, you said it over and over again, freedom. Yeah. There's just so much freedom when you can let go of all of those other things and that there's, it's just freedom. I mean, it's just so light and so easy and you could have that joy because you have the freedom. There's something you said early on when you talked about being a living sacrifice. And I just wanted the three of us to chat about it for a moment. Cause when I was thinking about it, I was like, man, when you've brought up choice, that a living sacrifice has a choice. And I'm really, I'm really currently into some musicals. It's fine. I'm working on it. Um, but there's a line in a musical that says, um, dying is easy, but living is harder. And I was, when I was thinking about that, I was like, well, a dead sacrifice doesn't really have a choice in the fact that they're being a sacrifice. Right. But a living sacrifice, that's like a daily decision where you're like, I'm going to stay here. I'm going to camp out and keep walking through. So I'd love to know y'all's thoughts on that, like what it looks like in our own lives to be a living sacrifice and how we're living that out day to day. Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, the, the key that, and, and I, I talked about this a little bit earlier, but just the, to, to me, the key is literally choosing moment by moment God's will over my own happiness. Mm-hmm. You know, God's truth over maybe what I feel like somebody expects me to say or to think. Um, and just, again, it's just that denial. It's that taking off of myself. You know, even if somebody else gets the credit, even if somebody, I mean, I think about Jesus. He, I mean, he lived this perfect life, the son of God, he, but he never, and people were accusing him all the time of things that he was not guilty of. And yet his response was never to defend himself. In fact, I mean, all the way at the end, he's being beaten, he's being scourged, he's put in prison, ultimately on the cross, and his response is, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. And I just think that that's so important. I mean, he had every right to be frustrated. I mean, he was God. He had every right to be like, are you joking me? Like, you know, and, and call it out and say, no, that's not true, and no, I didn't do that. And, and he was even asked multiple times for a defense, to provide a defense. 
And, and he didn't do it. You know, he, he let his, uh, you know, the words in his life and, and the truth of who God was, you know, he was always pointing to God, always pointing to God. It was never about him. It was always what the father wants and pointing to the father. And, and I feel like that's our example. And so when I think about living sacrifice, I think it's not about defending ourselves, even when we're justified, you know, uh, in those feelings. So it's hard, though. I mean, it does not come naturally. Just ask my children. <laughs> okay, so a daily living sacrifice. I go back to a question I felt God asked me um, a number of months ago. He said, what if nobody remembers you? He's like, are you still going to serve me? Are you still going to love me? Like, what if it's not about you and you're not living for your legacy, your name? Um, And I just kind of had to sit with that for a little bit and just go, one, like we talked about that weight. Honestly, there was such a freedom of going, I don't care. Like, ultimately, what I want to have happen is people be on the other side of eternity because I got to be a part of their story, even if it was in a tiny little piece of just going, okay, so what matters is the eternal. And so if I have to work hard, be consistent, have that daily sacrifice, spend that time with him, make those choices that are harder, you know, not go do a lot of the things that maybe my friends have always done. And I'm just going, but do I have the eternal reward? Do I have those people that I'm bringing with me on the other side of eternity? And I am constantly, even though I have a feeling I won't know who or what that might be until the other side of eternity. But I'm just going, that's kind of what I always put before me is, will I be able to help other people get to the other side of eternity? So that's good. It's like, so, so sweet to know that a living sacrifice, I love that we like pointed it back to Christ as like the greatest example of a living sacrifice. And that like the stories we're writing, we've talked about it on the podcast before, but like, it's not about our names being in shiny lights, but rather it's about his name being glorified. And, and as we're renewing our minds, like more and more so his name gets shiny and our name gets dim. And I think that engaging in that process, though incredibly hard, my parents who regularly keep me humble would be like, you're still a work in progress. <laughs> um, would, but like, it's just worth it. Like, I just don't think we can like, yell that loud enough that like it's worth it to engage in the process yeah well and the bible says that you know the world will know us by our love Mm -hmm. for each other and if we look like the world going back to romans 12 2 if we are conformed to the world we don't look any differently so how in the world is the the world going to recognize us and so you know i think to me that's something i'm always thinking about like you know do i look like the world do my actions look like the world does my speech look like the world just and again not not from a place of condemnation but again like just trying to just trying to go back to the Lord and just ask those questions, you know, because, and I think too, one thing I think is really important in this process too, is to be able to recognize whose voice you're hearing. And there have been times in my life where that's been really difficult to ascertain. Like, okay, I hear this thing, but is this me? Is this my flesh? Is this the enemy? Is this God? And so just trying to figure out, I'd love to hear some of your thoughts. I think for me, um, you know, God is never going to contradict his word, which is, again, why it's so important that we are putting that word in us. And so if there's anything that you're hearing that contradicts the word of God, then you know that that's not of God. And honestly, for me, to me, it doesn't really matter a whole lot if, if it's, you know, the enemy or myself, because either one of those is not what I want to choose. So, yes. but if anybody Very has any true. thoughts on that, like, I think that is really important to make sure we know what we're listening to. Yeah, I think that obviously God's word is like up at the top of that. And then two is who am I filtering things through? Like the minute I'm making decisions without engaging community or engaging 
family that I know and trust, like I'm probably making decisions out of selfish ambition because I'm like, I don't want them to know. So I'm just going to make this decision on the side. That's a good point. Um, so I've always tried to like build community that I'm really wanting to speak into my life and into the decisions I'm making on a regular basis. I just like walked through a season of life where I was like sharing it with some friends and all of them were like, what are you going to do? You can either like keep talking and none of us are going to listen to you anymore or you're going to like do something. And I was like, do I really want you around? And the Lord was like, yeah, you, yes, I gave them to you. Those are good friends. I know. Yeah, for sure. And so, um, I think like building community that's going to point you to God's word and not to like selfish ambition and being able to recognize like, man, every time I talk to you, you never pull in scripture. You never align with what God is saying. Like maybe you're not someone I need to keep circling back to when it comes time to like make decisions or process through feelings or forgiveness or having the shackles removed from our eyes. And so I think definitely community is an added thing like scripture and then who are your people that you're doing life with? I think for me, it once again, always goes back to scripture. But then I feel like when you start hearing things and going, is that God? Okay, has it lined up with his word? Just try it. Test it. I feel like the word tells you to test him. So you take those steps, those little steps. And if they're wrong, he'll to- tell you and he'll show you. And if you're in a good community, they'll be a part of that process too. But it's just that constant, like taking those baby steps of faith and obedience and going, okay, that was the right step. I was hearing from the Lord. And as you continue to take those steps, you trust that you hear his voice more and more. And then you grow and you take those bigger steps and those bigger steps. And that's why he's so gracious in so many times of giving us those small steps so that when it comes to those big steps that we're there, we're ready. And we already know that we hear his voice. I agree. And with God, it's always about the heart. So like you said, I mean, if your heart is in the right place, even if maybe you think your initial action is the way to go and maybe you're wrong and you've missed it, like he's going to, he is going to come alongside just like where I thought I need to read some verses about the tongue. And he came alongside and was like, and just kind of shifted it because he knew my heart was in the right place. And God can do so much with a willing heart. We see that all throughout scripture. We also see like those who ask for wisdom, it's going to be granted. And so praying, like broad prayers. I think sometimes in my prayer life, I'm like, God, I want this. I would desire that. Don't you want that for me too? And instead like shifting into like, God, grant me wisdom in situations. Like give me a heart that longs for you. Give me ears that actually can hear you, that can discern your voice. And he's sweet to answer those. Like it takes time. You have to, it's not, it's like a relationship. You got to build it over time. You know, when you're like in a grocery store and you hear someone yell mom and the kid is like, that is my mom. And like immediately starts running versus the other like 10 kids who are like, that's not the sound of my mom's voice. And so like, well, as we get to know him, as we dive into a relationship, we'll begin to recognize even more clearly his voice in our lives. Well, and sometimes my prayer is, God, when you answer it, let me recognize it. Because a lot of times he'll answer a prayer that I forgot I prayed. And then I need him to recognize, he need him to show me like, okay, I did that. So you did hear my voice. And now I need you to recognize that I am giving you what you asked for. That's why I, I try to write down so many of my prayers so I can go back and go, oh, he did do that. And can recognize when he's not giving me what yeah. I asked for. Like, I'm like, God, I hear you, but that's not really the answer I was going for. So can you like make that really clear? Try again. (laughs) Keep praying. So for sure. One of the things you um, mentioned, whether it was here today or just in us talking, was unconditional forgiveness. And that those two words, honestly, like I was like, have I ever, I'm sure I've heard them like joined together, but not really. And so I was like, man, unconditional love, I feel like we hear all the time and that's really easy to like sink in, but unconditional forgiveness, 
it like just brought so many new thoughts to life. Like I'd love to hear kind of what that did in your life. Yeah. So honestly, that might have been one of the most powerful pieces of this for me is, uh, and it goes back to what I was saying earlier related to, it's not about, you have to make the choice to forgive without needing anything from anybody else. Like it's not about, okay, well, if they apologize to me, then I'll forgive them. Or if, if I, if I come into work today and they smile at me instead of kind of, eh, then I no, I mean, it's, you, you choose to forgive because God forgave you, bottom line, no matter what they do or don't do. And then over time, the Lord will um, match those feelings and those emotions with that forgiveness. And like I said, sometimes depending upon, I mean, sometimes that could be, and I don't want to, I don't want to make light of this because, I mean, people can be really cruel to us and we can hold some really hurtful things, some really deep seated things. And so I don't want to make light of it or be flipping about it and like, just forgive. No, but, but truly like that is what, that is what Jesus tells us to do. Forgive as I have forgiven. And he was the greatest example of that, um, to death. You know, he's forgiving, uh, forgiving from the cross, you know, the other criminal that said, Hey, would you remember me in paradise? And so, yeah, I think it is, it has to be unconditional for it to, to truly match up with, with, uh, God's will. And I, and I think that there is freedom in that. You know, you hear people say like unforgiveness is like um, drinking poison and expecting somebody else to get sick. Well, I mean, that's what it's about. It, the freedom can come so much faster if you'll just choose. Like you were talking about earlier, how you'll pray. Like sometimes if you're frustrated, you'll start praying. It's really hard to pray for somebody in sincerity, like yeah. sincerely pray for somebody and stay angry at them. Yeah, It's yes. hard to do that. Like, I mean, the Lord will. Now you can pray. It's easy to pray something like, Lord, you know, let your vengeance rain down. You know, I can relate to David, you know, because you see that sometimes in the Psalms where he's like, Lord, you know, wipe out all of my enemies. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I think, I, I do think praying for other people is, is also like a great step to take toward unconditional forgiveness. Sometimes I pray that God helps me see them as a person as a person in their situation and what they're going through. So sometimes it's not even for them, but it's for me to try and understand them better. And it's a, like you said, it's a process and it's continual. Like we have to, sometimes it's not just a one-time thing. We have to keep forgiving them because those emotions keep coming up and those things keep repeating themselves in our lives and our hearts. And sometimes they just do the same things over and over again. And we actually have to literally forgive them over and over again, but the, it's not a choice. I mean, the Bible tells us that's something that we have to do. Yeah, as we were sitting here talking, I, I just thought, oh, how often does unforgiveness lead to the roots that we're having to renew our mind from? And so that true. if we were actively engaging in unconditional forgiveness, how quicker would this process go? Or what would the process look like if we weren't giving time and space to, to the enemy in that area? I'm going to have to go home and think about that yeah, one for a while. Yeah, that's very deep. That's very deep. I'm, yes, but I agree. I do agree. I think they're definitely related. Awesome. Thanks so much for hanging out with us yes. today and talking about renewing of the mind. We'd love for you to pray over us in this topic and how God is going to engage us with it. Yeah, I'd be happy to. Father, first of all, we just thank you for your love. And we thank you, Jesus, for your example of what it means to be a living sacrifice. Father, um, I just pray uh, for everybody here and listening today, Lord, that you would just... Give them the desire, Lord, to renew their mind, Lord, to choose your will over their own happiness, Father, because that is where true freedom is found. Father, I thank you for the joy that you offer. I thank you for your word. Father, uh, when, when in doubt, Lord, I just pray that we would go to your word because there's where we will find truth. Father, I, 
I, uh, I just thank you for these women today. And I thank you that you allow for us to walk through this process of, of sanctification, to become more like you. And ultimately, Lord, that's what we want. We want to be able to take off ourselves and everything that comes with that and put on you and clothe ourselves with humility and, and compassion and kindness and gentleness and love for one another. Lord, we love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for joining us on this week of the Table Podcast, where we talk about lessons that God's teaching us. You can also find us on Facebook at BattleCreekChurch.com. We've got lots of things coming up in the spring, fall, excuse me. We have lots of things coming up in the fall. Uh, in September, we're launching a women's Bible study. In October, we have a massive women's event. So we'd love for you to come yeah. be a part of it. Yay. Yay. Love it.